there's a lot of things that we're just indifferent to, that we're just like, you know, there's some things I can take. There's some things that I can leave. But here's what I want you to see. The early church and the way it got started was just a miracle of God, how God blended people together from all these different backgrounds. And the problem you had in the early church is that you had the gospel going out first to, to the Jews, and so many came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But God didn't want it to stop there. God's message was for the whole world. He wanted it to not only go to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. Now, there was great indifferences between these two groups. In fact, there was hostility between these two groups. In fact, a Jew could not even go into the house or have a meal with a Gentile because he would be considered ceremonially unclean if he did that. So the question is, how is God going to blend these two groups of people together to form the body of Christ when you have such indifference between two groups of people? I can remember when I was a teenager and I first came to the Lord and I was following Christ. I can remember thinking, you know, I was 16 when I came to Jesus and I became a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Before that, I really never thought about other people in, in, in other countries. I just never thought. It wasn't that I didn't care. I just didn't think about it. When I became a Christian, missionaries would come into our church and began to speak about different countries and about people that they were reaching and how God loved them. And all of a sudden, God began to really change my heart for other people. Then I began to go on missions trips, and God really began to break my heart for, for other people. But it, if it weren't for the missionaries, I don't know if my heart would have been broken because I heard their stories of how God loves them and, and what they would do to reach uh, certain people groups. And that's exactly what God and his gospel does. It goes out to the whole world to reach all different types of different people groups. And I want to talk about that today because the early church, in order for this movement to get off the ground, it would have to move on all different types of people. And that's where we are today. We're in Acts chapter 10. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there or just listen to me. I want to talk about Acts chapter 10 and the amazing miracle that God did to bring two different people groups together to form a unity so that the gospel could go forth in power. And if we need anything today, we need unity today. We, we need God to do a work in our hearts so that we can work together in unity. So I want to look at Acts chapter 10, the, uh, the first five verses, and we're going to look at a man named Cornelius who was a Roman centurion. And he lived in the town of Caesarea. And I want to read this for you this morning. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, and what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So, so Cornelius is just a God-fearing man and just and gave to those in need and just served the Lord. And one day, about three in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. And he said, what is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered him. He said, your, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a, a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So Cornelius has this vision and God hears his prayers, and he tells him, go send some men and go get the apostle Peter. Now, this is really interesting, and we're going to go on, because 
Peter at the same time is going to have a vision of this uh, of this visitation that they're going to have together. So in verse 1, we see this man, Cornelius, a God-fearing man, a leader in the Roman army, leading a hundred men, resided in, in Caesarea, a city named after Caesar Augustus. Cornelius loved the God of Israel, and it was seen in his prayer life and giving to those in need. And so God was preparing the heart of Cornelius and Peter in this meeting of this Gentile and this Jewish man. And the first glance, you would think, well, what's the big deal, Pastor? It's just a meeting. But this meeting would be the catalyst that would propel the church forward. Cornelius loved God, and it was actually shown in the way that he lived his life. And so Cornelius, I want you to see something about his life. Very interesting. For Cornelius, it wasn't some religious duty that he was fulfilling, where it was only an outward expression, but did not change his heart. It was, it was more than just going to church on Christmas and Easter, right? There, there's some people that say, you know what? I'm going to do my religious duty and I'll go to church on those, those special times of maybe uh, Christmas and Easter. And, and we call them creasters, right? The people that just go to church on Christmas and Easter. And, but, but for Cornelius, it was different. It was personal for him. It, 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 it was, it's easy to be religious without making it personal. And for Cornelius, it was personal. He wanted to serve God, and God took notice of his service unto him. And so God saw his prayers as a memorial. God didn't forget about his prayers. And I love this about God, that he doesn't forget our prayers. He hears us when we reach out to him. In fact, the word memorial is from the same Greek root as the word remembrance or a record. This is what we're doing, and we're going to take communion in just a minute, but this is what we're doing when we take communion. We're remembering Jesus's perfect sacrifice for us. So God didn't forget about Cornelius, and it amazes me the way God reaches us to show us his love and devotion to us. And so this is the man of Cornelius. And so God is setting up this meeting between a Gentile centurion and the apostle Peter, whose ethnicity is Jewish, and God begins to prepare Peter's heart and his indifference to the Gentiles, and God is going to show Peter the good news of Jesus is is for every single person. So the angel of God tells Cornelius to get up and go and send men to get Peter in Joppa. And at the same time, as Cornelius sends these two servants to get Peter, Peter is given a vision by God. Now, Peter's vision by God is a little bit different. In the vision Peter is given, God shows him that it's okay for Peter to eat pork. Now, pork was considered unclean. These were unclean animals. And so Peter is given this vision by God, which Peter absolutely doesn't understand because he knows that he's not supposed to eat unclean animals. And so now Peter is given this vision that it's okay to eat bacon. Because in the Jewish law, you were only allowed to eat animals that were considered clean. Pigs were considered unclean. So Peter has no idea and does not understand the meaning of this vision. So Peter is confused. He's never eaten bacon. Can you, let's just, can we just stop there for just a minute? I can never imagine never eating bacon. I mean, can you imagine Peter never ate bacon? Bacon is the one food that you can eat with anything. Bacon and eggs, bacon and chocolate, 
bacon-wrapped shrimp, filet mignon wrapped in bacon, bacon and ice cream, donuts and bacon. Now, listen, I can go on. I can go on. Bacon and peanut butter. Milkshakes. I'm, I'm just telling you what people have with bacon. Bacon and milkshakes. And my favorite, all-time favorite, are you ready? Bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Come on. Can I get an amen? All right. There we go. A little bit of mayonnaise, toasted bread, some nice potato chips with that. Doesn't that sound good right about now? Oh, man, my stomach is growling. So so here Peter, he, he doesn't understand this vision. So it's during this time that the men of Cornelius are sent to Peter's house. Now, Peter is told by the Spirit to go with these men to meet Cornelius. So they're traveling to Caesarea, and they go to Cornelius's house. Now, Cornelius, being a good Italian, invites his whole family over and his friends to meet this, to meet Peter, to meet the apostle Peter. So here's the situation. You got Cornelius, being this good Italian, invites his whole family over to meet Peter. Cornelius's mother is in the kitchen cooking pasta and meatballs and a little bit of sausage on the side because now it's okay for Peter to eat sausage. Can I get an amen? Peter is just, this whole new world's open up to Peter with Italian cooking now. So he goes over to Cornelius' house. Cornelius has his whole family over here to meet him. Peter is now hanging out with all these Italian Gentiles. God is so good to Italians. No, I'm just teasing. God is just good. So here Peter is hanging out with all these Italian Gentiles. Days earlier, Peter would have never have done that if it wasn't for this vision that was given to him. So Peter has this aha moment and understands the vision that God has given him. Here's here's what we know. Because later on in that chapter, verses 28, listen to what Peter says to um, to Cornelius and all the people at his house. Peter now tells them, You know it's against our law for a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile home like this or even to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So the vision for Peter to be allowed to eat the unclean animals was really a vision to say, listen, God is blending both Jew and Gentile together. God is not a respecter of someone's background. The gospel, listen, what the God, the reason why the gospel message is so powerful, it brings us all together, no matter what our ethnicity is, no matter what our background is, no matter what your economic status is. Jesus brings us all together under the precious blood of Jesus Christ that he sacrificed for everyone. We need to hear that message today. People, let's be gospel-centered in the way we're looking at things today. That Jesus loves everyone. That we should serve everyone. That's the reason why Jesus came. That's what makes the gospel message so powerful that it pulls these walls that divide us. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I was at a just at a at a meeting, a conference for teenagers, and I'll, this thing is just burned in, in my memory. We had two speakers that came. One speaker is um, Michael Peace, and he serves uh, in the inner city of Rochester. We support him as a missionary. Um, and before Michael came to the Lord, he was just a black militant. 
That was his life before he came to Jesus Christ. And at that same meeting, there was an ex-KKK grand wizard who came to know Jesus as his personal savior. So as a 17-year-old teenager, I look up on the stage and there's Michael Peace with a ex-KKK grand wizard and they're hugging each other. Tell me the gospel is not powerful enough to break down any divide. Can I get an amen? That was powerful for me. That's what Jesus does. He gives us his love. He gives us his compassion for all people. And God heals us of our past, of our prejudices. He takes all that away because now we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Peter goes on and he says this. Then Peter speaks to them in verse 34 and 36 of chapter 10 of Acts. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God shows no favoritism. But listen to what he says. This is so powerful. But accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of all. At this point, what Peter does with Cornelius and everybody at his house he begins to preach the message of Jesus Christ and all that were in Cornelius's house, the word of God tells us, receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What God did was God changed Peter's indifference and Peter realized that every single person matters. That the gospel message is for every single person. There's no respecter of our background. In fact, Paul reiterates this in Galatians 3.28 he says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.28. Can I get an amen? That's the power of the gospel, to take all those dividing walls and break them down. Jesus came for all, not a few. And I am so grateful for that. And my prayer for us as the church is we would be a church that would be gospel-centered in all that we do that we would recognize if it weren't for Christ Jesus, our sins could not be forgiven. And that should actually humble us. And it should cause us to look at the world and say, we need to serve this world. We need to reach the world with the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And this should humble our hearts that Jesus loves everyone. I like what Tim Keller says this. He says, not everyone is your brother, brother or sister in the faith, but everyone is your neighbor and you must love your neighbor. We must love our neighbor. And for Peter, what he realized that day is that Cornelius needed the gospel message and that God broke down those walls that divided him and Cornelius because of their background. Listen, that propelled the church to the next level that the gospel would to, would be to go out to the whole world. So may God, as a church, may God just break our hearts to realize that God loves our neighborhood, God loves Ontario, God loves Rochester, but God loves this world. And that's why we continue to reach out not only to our community, but, but to reach out to the world, because it's the gospel message that changes people's lives, and it changes their lives for eternity. So that's what's at stake. So may, may the gospel message start with us and break our hearts and melt our hearts for other people. Listen, um, that means starting with your neighbor that lives right next door to you or your coworker. That, that's your neighbor. 
and we're to love them. That's who we're called to. So may God give us and equip us with his type of love so that we realize that Jesus came for everyone. So let me ask you a question. You know, are you are you indifferent? Are, how do you treat people who may be different from you? Um, do, do you look down or, or at those that maybe are different in our culture or, or, or have a different cultural background than you that is different from you? Really look at your heart and say, God, how, how am I doing there? And let the gospel message permeate your heart and let the love of Christ permeate your heart that Jesus came for all people. And we can actually see that in the life of Jesus as he reached out to those who, who were different those who weren't the same background, to the Samaritan woman, to those who were caught in sin, to those who were caught um, in all types of sin. Jesus reached out to the sinner and those that were different from him, different, maybe uh, different cultural backgrounds. Jesus showed it through his love and his compassion that that message was for all people. So as we take communion today, this is what it's all about. When we take communion, what we're recognizing is that Jesus gave his life for us, and we're remembering the great sacrifice that he paid for us. So as we take communion today, I just want to remind you today of the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us. So if you've got your your, your cup here of uh, the wafer and the, and, and the blood of Christ, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and we're just going to sing unto the Lord as we take communion today. Um, the Apostle Paul tells us to examine our hearts. And as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, they 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 were taking communion, but many were coming and they were eating together. And then they were just ignoring other Christians in their group that weren't the same as them. Maybe their social economic status weren't the same as them. And, and Paul says, listen, you Corinthian church, you got to examine your heart and if there's any ought in your heart, you've, you've got to get that right before the Lord. And so what I would just stress to you today, let God speak to your heart. Let Christ speak to your heart today as you take communion. And if you have an ought with a, a, another brother or sister in the Lord, or maybe a neighbor, or maybe a co-worker, ask Christ to forgive you of that today and to cleanse your heart. Take that step to offer reconciliation in those situations That's exactly what Christ came to do. He came to reconcile us back to a right relationship with God that was broken because of our sin. And we now are to be those ambassadors of reconciliation, that Christ forgave us and made that relationship with God right because of what he did for us. Then if we have the spirit of Christ in us, we should be the same way, shouldn't we? We should be the ones that offer that reconciliation. We shouldn't be saying, well, that other person needs to come to me first and they need to make it right because they blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Listen, God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, Romans 5, 8. So God demonstrates his love towards us when we didn't deserve it. He reached out to us and gave his life for us. So let us be people of reconciliation Let us be people of compassion, showing the gospel message in the way we treat others and the way we serve others. And we will be glorifying Christ by the way we do those things. Amen.